You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. In Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to uh, be focused. And uh, I thought, I started probably a month ago, maybe a little more, thinking about our Christmas series and uh, what what I wanted to talk about. The thing about preparing a Christmas series is uh, you kind of know, in general, the subject matter you're going to cover, right? It's it's Christmas time. And so then you start thinking about, well, how do you want to talk about it? And um, how have you talked about it in the past? And so this year, uh, fair warning, we're doing a rerun. Um, we're doing a, I'm doing a series that I did uh, seven years ago. So if you're like, man, I, I, you know, if, if you just want to leave now, um, you have to give me the outline. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I really, I actually really enjoyed this series, and I kind of put it away and thought, man, I'm going to do that again someday. But I didn't want to do it, you know, the next year or whatever. So we're going to look basically at four words, and they're the words that were contained in the message that the angels gave to the shepherds. You know that story, and we want to read it this morning, beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, where it says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be, atta- should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So in these first seven verses, we have this story that we often hear at Christmas time of Mary and Joseph in a stable and Jesus is born there. The, you know, they're surrounded by, by animals typically and Jesus is laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then the scene shifts to outside of Bethlehem. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed, look, easy for me to say, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so we have this scene where uh, in the surrounding countryside, there are shepherds and they're watching their flocks at night. 
It's dark. Maybe it's a little chilly. But they're there and they, they're looking out for trouble. And suddenly there appeared an angel. And then the Bible says this, the shepherds were scared. Now imagine that the shepherds were used to encountering certain predators, certain, certain animals that maybe would get them excited, get their adrenaline up, but probably not put the kind of fear in them as a supernatural being illuminating the night sky and appearing to them. It is natural that they would be afraid. And then the very first thing that the angel says is, don't be afraid. Okay, well, don't sneak up on me and then just fire everything up. You know, how about you knock or, hey, guys, anybody out there? No, you're just like, ta-da! Don't be afraid. That's like waiting around a corner until your wife comes and then jumping out and go, don't be afraid. Depending on your relationship, depends on your ability to do that. I'm no longer allowed to scare my wife. It's part of our post-nuptial agreement. So this being appears and he says, don't be afraid. And then he says this, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I'm going to tell you something that is going gonna, is gonna to give you great joy. And not just you, but all people. And then he says, a baby was born. Now, I recognize that babies bring joy, but typically only to the immediate family, right? And so that's what we want to look at this morning. Why does the birth of Christ bring joy? What is joy? A dictionary definition of joy is calm delight and cheerfulness. That seems a little bleh, doesn't it? Calm delights. Why, you look so calm and delightful today. I, I just, when I read that, I was like, you know. But joy is, and, and we, you know, synonyms are like delight, cheerfulness, happiness. But joy is, is distinct from those things as well. It's something that comes from within us. And it's the first thing I want us to understand as we talk about this subject this morning is that joy is a result of God's working in our life. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Ephesians has a very similar passage to what Galatians has here, where the Apostle Paul, writing to the church, he, he says, first of all, he said, listen, the works of the flesh, like sinful works, your, your sinful desires, they come out like this. And he names sins. And then he says, but the work of the Spirit, 
the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the Holy Spirit indwelling you and working in your life is this, love, joy, peace. And then he goes on and says, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, kindness. And he names all of these things. But the, the, the top three are always the same. Love, joy, peace. As God works in your life, as the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you should become more joyful. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Especially when we think about this time of year. Because if you're like me, the best Christmases you can ever remember were when you were a kid. I can think of specific Christmases. I can think of one Christmas where we had a station wagon and we looked like the Griswolds. I mean, we had that thing loaded down. We had presents strapped. It's the only time I can ever remember us strapping things to the top of our station wagon. But we had stuff strapped to the top of it and we drove out to my grandparents' farm and my uncles and aunts came out and my cousins and we all slept in the living room on the floor and, and we could hear our parents putting out, okay, there's kids, the fifth grade and below are, are in B kids. So if you're in sixth grade and you're struggling with this issue, um, here's some tough love. I could hear my parents and my aunts and uncles playing Santa because it was all in this big room in this farmhouse. And I remember that. But man, I just remember how much fun we had. My cousins were around and I mean, we got new toys and they were broken quickly. And I mean, people got stuff stuck in their hair and that had to be cut out and, and we got in trouble and we were playing outside and it was cold. And then my parents just made us stay outside because they were so sick of it. It was a great Christmas. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, you were just like, this is the best ever. I remember the Christmas where I got a new bike. I'd never had a new bike before. And there it was. And then there was my brother's new bike. And I remember how unfair I thought that was. Because he was my little brother and he should have had to wait a couple of years. I wanted a new bike all to myself. I know that's jealousy. That's not a fruit of the spirit. That's a fruit of the flesh. But you think about those Christmases, how exciting they were. I can remember when my children were little and we would have to, we would have this talk on Christmas Eve because in our house, we open one present on Christmas Eve and mom picks it out and spoiler alert, it's always pajamas. That's the way it is. So on Christmas morning, Santa comes and, and we open all our presents and it's a great day. And so we would have the, the talk with our kids on Christmas Eve. Now listen, you cannot get out of your room until mom and dad say it's okay. If you wake up and there's a five or a six in the number on the clock, go back to sleep, right? And then we'll let you know when you can get up. But invariably, we'd hear them banging around in their room and 
You know, and we're like, don't get out of your room. But they're like, but dad, but mom, come on. And you see how excited they were. And we'd video them and take pictures. We never watch those videos, but we have them somewhere. We're so excited. As we get older, I'm not sure unless we have kids or grandkids around, it's not always that same excitement. You know what I observe about that too? Sometimes life's that way. Sometimes as you get older, there's a lot of things that aren't as exciting. I know as I get older, I don't feel as good every morning when I hop out of bed or it's more like kind of roll out of bed and try to see, take inventory in the morning. You know, you're like, okay, well, easy with that one, right? And yet the longer we are with Jesus, the more joy we're to have. Why? Because everything in our life just keeps getting better? No, frankly, when you're eight and it's Christmas morning, I don't know if life ever gets better than that right there. I mean, you have other experiences and there's some of them are great. But it's not that life gets better. It's that God is working in us. We have a relationship with him that brings us joy. And it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Paul would write this in Philippians chapter four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now you might think, well, wow, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. Everything must be great with Paul if he can just say, rejoice in everything. Earlier in Philippians chapter one, Paul said, I don't know if I'm gonna live or die. And he said, I'm caught between this paradox because if I die, I know I can go to heaven and spend eternity and stop suffering like this, but I know that God's still got ministry for me to do, and so it's better that I stay here. That was the situation that Paul's in. He's probably in prison when he writes this book, and yet he says, rejoice. Because joy is not rooted in our circumstances. Joy exists above our circumstances. It's not dependent on what's happening around us. It is a result of our walk with the Holy Spirit, with God Almighty within us. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit working is joy. And I love the way Paul describes peace here, and we'll talk about peace in a couple of weeks, but he says peace that passes all understanding. Peace that seems supernatural. Well, shouldn't that be the result of the Holy Spirit working in our life? And joy is the same way. We can be joyful even in the midst of difficult circumstances. I'm not talking about just put on a happy face and everything will be okay. I'm not talking about being fake or, or uh, just trying to put on a front, but rather a joy that can come to us. 
That's why Paul would later write in Philippians chapter 4 and says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context of Philippians 4.13 is contentment even in hunger and need and suffering. And so when, when I was thinking about this subject and I was thinking about, we're going to start off this series talking about joy. Some of you, man, you embrace that. You're like, yeah, I've been watching Hallmark movies for four weeks and I've been listening to Christmas music and my lights are up and, and everything's great because uh, I'm married to the pastor. But uh, <laughs> that could be anybody. But uh, no, nah, it couldn't. My wife, listen, my wife loves Christmas. She, it's just, it's over the top. Every day it's candy canes and fairies or whatever it is. We got it, man. And some of you might be like, yes, Jesus Christ was born and we're celebrating that and you're in that joy. And for some of you, that is not you at all. There are some of you who have said and decided, you know what, we're not even putting up a tree this year. And it's not because you don't want to put up a tree or you just haven't found time. It's because you can't celebrate. Because this, this Christmas season, it, you, you're just reminded of maybe things that you've lost or struggles that you're dealing with. Listen, I don't want to make light of that today. I don't want to minimize that or just try to placate that today. But just because we are hurting, just because we are in pain, does not mean we can't have joy. You say, preacher, that doesn't make sense. I'm not happy. I understand. But joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We can have joy beyond our understanding. We can have joy even in difficult circumstances. And the source of that joy is the good news of Jesus Christ. The angels said in Romans, uh, or excuse me, Luke 2.10, they said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The gift of God, the, the, the message of joy is for everyone. The gift of Jesus is to the whole world. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God desires that every man, woman, and child in this world would hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'll say that again and give you an opportunity to amen. Because if you were ever going to amen a, a statement made in church, this is the statement. 
God's desire is for every man, woman, and child on this earth to hear and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, that I can I can show you that from scripture. I just did. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And all men is not just men, it's all mankind. God desires for God desires for everyone to be saved. That's why he sent Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover every sin and every wrong thing that any man or woman has ever done. And God gave that gift to this world. John chapter 3. Whoops, I got ahead of myself. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to, to be testified in due time. Listen, that person at your work that just rubs you the wrong way. You know, as soon as you see him, your stomach starts to get in a knot. God desires for that person to hear and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. People that are, listen, people that are across the world fighting against what we would think of as, as issues of right and and. and and things that we would stand against, God desires for them to hear about Jesus Christ and to be saved. People that we would view as our enemy, God desires to make right with him and, and to be in right relationship with us. That person who politically is categorically denied to everything that you think is true and right, God desires to save them. Amen. And, and, and that doesn't mean that they're instantly going to switch po political parties to whatever you think ought to be their political party. Whoever you view as being different from you, opposite of you, contrary to you, an enemy of you, whatever it is, God desires to save them. Just as he saved you if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is why the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, brings joy to all. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The Bible says that every tribe, every tongue will be represented in heaven. Maybe we ought to be practicing for heaven a little bit more here on earth. Because we tend to just stay in our lane, don't we? We tend to socialize with the people we like to socialize with. We tend to, you know, just want to talk to the people we want to talk with. You know, I'll talk to my neighbor on this side, but, you know, 
God bless them. But I don't want to talk to them. That's not how God would have us act. Good tidings of great joy will be to all people. That's why as, as a church, we want to be focused on missions and, and sharing the gospel around the world. And I, I'm excited about uh, the missionaries that we support and the missionaries that, uh, that we can continue to expand our missionary influence. But the heart of that can't just be sending out missionaries. It needs to be for us to be missionaries. For us to share the good news of Jesus. Romans chapter 10 and verse number nine says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 13 says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Keep that verse up there for, for a minute if you would. Listen, there's, this, is, this verse is not highly nuanced. What it says is what it means. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It doesn't matter uh, the sins that we've committed. It doesn't matter how much we've messed up our lives. It, 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 those things are not relevant to this verse because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing. And if we will simply put our faith and trust in Christ, he promises to forgive us, to cleanse us, to redeem us, to make us his child. This is the good news. This is, it, this is, if you know Christ as your savior, this is what has happened to you. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that, listen, I know that I've messed up in my past. I know that I struggle with sin even now, but God's grace is sufficient for me. God has an end for me that I can look forward to. I know, I know where I'm going to spend eternity and it's in heaven with God Almighty. Amen? And we have the opportunity to share that with others. People who are drowning in their sin. People who see no hope. People who think that there's, there's, there's no way that they, can, that they can go on in this world. And we have the good news. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. It's, it's God's work in our life that brings us joy. And it's that joy that we can share with others. And then he says in verse number 11 of Luke 2, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, as we've gone through the book of Romans, listen to how Romans describes it in Romans 5. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we, sh we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. What an amazing word, this idea of reconciliation. That we who were once enemies, enemies from God. Now we might not think of ourselves that way. But we are born separated from God. We are born in sin and a holy God cannot cannot stand sin. It cannot be in his presence. We are separated from God. And yet, because God loved us and because he sent Jesus Christ to die in our place, we are reconciled together. That's why the Bible says we are the children of God. We are the friend of God. He is our Father, how could once who were enemies suddenly have that kind of relationship because of reconciliation? Having been reconciled to God, that should bring joy to our life. And the Bible goes on and says, we have the ministry of reconciliation. That should be our job in this world. We're not, we're not to be agents of division. We're to be agents of reconciliation. Now, there are some who will, who will be upset with the message that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. But there will be others who will receive that message and be reconciled to him. This is what God has called us to do. Jesus said this in John chapter 3. You've heard verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. And Jesus goes on and says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're born in condemnation. But God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. He sent him to save us. This is the good tidings of great joy. This is what God has given to us. Jesus also said in John chapter 14 and verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. God also gives us companionship. He gives us one who will never leave us. I think one of the great things that can take away our joy is how we often can feel isolated and alone. Feel like nobody understands what we're dealing with. That nobody feels the pain that we feel. And yet Jesus said, I, I pray to the Father. And that prayer is answered in the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit abides in us forever, he said. Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 13. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. 
I will never leave you or forsake you. I am your helper. This is what God says to us. No wonder joy is a result of God's working in our life. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're here and, and maybe man, you're, you're just embracing the Christmas spirit. You're excited about it and you, you, you're just planning things and, and whatever, whatever, ever how you celebrate. But don't forget that the source of the celebration is the birth of Jesus Christ. He is the source of our joy. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not feeling it at all. Listen, I'm not telling you to put on a happy face and pretend like everything's okay if you're struggling. But I am saying that there's joy in Jesus. That the good tidings of great joy are for you. It's not going to take away all of your pain. But there can be joy in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your savior. There's never been a place and a time where you've asked God to forgive you of the wrong things you've done. You've put your faith and your trust in him. Jesus said in John chapter three, we have to be born again, spiritually born. Romans says, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. It's really just this idea of admitting to God that we are sinners. And on our own, we are hopeless. But God has provided a way through Jesus Christ. And if we will simply put our faith in him, Call on Jesus. He promises to forgive us. He promises to give us life abundant and life eternal. And today, if you've never taken that step of faith right there in your seat, you can just pray and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you. Today can be your day of salvation. You can begin that walk with God, the walk that leads to love, joy, peace. If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. God, I just pray that we would take your word and apply it today. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling today with maybe Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe they just emotionally, God, feel spent and, and don't feel like celebrating the holidays at all. God, I pray that you would remind them that you are the source of our joy. Our joy doesn't come just from some song or some celebration, but God, our joy comes from you. Lord, I pray that you would begin to develop and grow your joy in their life. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that does not know you as Savior, I pray that even now as I'm speaking, that they would cry out to you in their heart, 
that they would believe on you and, and, and by faith ask you for forgiveness for new life in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we go from this place today, you would help us to pick up the mission of the angels, to share good tidings of great joy to all people. God, that we would start in our homes, in our neighborhoods, at our work, where we socialize. God, that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ. In his holy and precious name we pray. Amen.